You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, filling in for the vacationing Josh Fredlin. I'm joined this week by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Craig, Craig Liam <laughs> and Craig <laughs> Deli over in New York. Uh, Liam uh, apparently went uh, very, very uh, uh, Boston. He went to see about a girl and never came back. So we're not sure what's going on with him. <laughs> went to see about a girl. Yep. Uh. So um, right off the top, I just wanted to uh, kind of jump in here and give a quick statement about something that's been percolating today uh, over on our Reddit page. So uh, for those of you not up to speed, there is a rumor that started today uh, stating that Major League Rugby was in talks uh, to partner with Flow Rugby or Flow Sports as their media provider for the league going for future games. Uh, Flow Rugby is um, also the entity that holds the contract to show USA uh, national team matches uh, for events such as the ARC. Uh, They also have club and college games that they broadcast. So uh, just as a little background, that's kind of who they are. So here's my statement. Myself personally, and I believe I speak for Earful of Dirt in general when I say we are coming out strongly against this path forward for Major League Rugby. We feel it would be an extremely poor choice on the part of the leadership to partner with this organization with an, with om- that has almost no name recognition and at the same time is very expensive for subscribers to get a hold of. Uh, this is not how the league will grow its national profile. It is the wrong way forward for Major League Rugby, period. Uh, so... Got that out of the way. Address that because this is kind of what everybody's talking about right now. And now that I've, I can climb down off my soapbox and maybe we can get on with the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I guess kind of started like like people certainly know how to mess with me on when I'm on vacation. <laughs> like I was enjoying my time. Let me get hit up. What's with this flow? Have you heard about this flow shit? Like what? I'm just enjoying coffee in Western Australia right now. Like I went, I went on a six mile run and was about to got to got some sweet hookups too. I I got to cover. I actually got to cover the rugby championship. So um, first it was like, hey, got a ticket for you. Okay, you know, um, you know, I actually have some contacts. We could probably get you credentialed. It's pretty late, but you just gotta, you know sent an email and I was like, okay. And uh, so I got credentialed and uh, you know, uh, I, I will say <laughs> I'll talk about th- that part. Uh, that was great. But um, yeah, so I was enjoying Austra- Western Australia. Did you I- shave your beard before or after that part? Uh, I definitely shaved after I got home. I, I don't know. I just figured that I needed to uh, join my new captain, Michael Hooper with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the wear of the porn stash. Um, so I'm, I'm in solidarity with the, uh, the, the current leader of the Bledisloe cup standings for this. I'm sure he's very appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, I asked a bunch of people about it. I guess it's kind of real. And then when it broke, I asked when it broke on Reddit, I, I, I did ask some, some people up at the league and it's just sort of like, I mean, it's kind of real, kind of not, kind of. Um, I, 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 the fact that uh, I guess the fact that it's kind of out there sounds like someone broke an NDA, <laughs> and I think I know who. And uh, I don't think it was the league office. Uh, put it that way. Uh, and uh, I mean, Craig can go into how much money it would cost to make sense because he works in at high levels of finance, so he could talk over method of return and all that and 
where to, to where it makes sense financially. And I just, you know, lowball this and I go, uh, it would need to be a lot of money and the number would need to be stupid because Disney is going to launch their bundle. So think about this over 3 million subscribers for ESPN plus currently Hulu normal has over 26 million subscribers. Hulu live has 2 million subscribers and then you launch this Disney Plus platform, which has all the kids' content, right? Um, and Disney's going to launch a bundle. I don't know what they're going to call it. Disney, like, Super Plus or something. The ESPN side of the house is going to go over 10 million subscribers overnight, right? Like, it's going the exposure you get on that platform is going to be huge, whereas Flow Rugby has under 300,000 subscribers right now. Yeah. So that's I mean, my opinion. So that's I mean, my opinion. I don't know all the puts, at least I don't know all the puts and takes. I don't know if the subscription would be different or, you know, what type of money they'd be willing to pay the league. And I'm not – I won't bore the uh, the loyal earful of dirt audience with my high financial analysis. But MLR, if you're in the market for uh, some free consultation, look me up. Um, but I, I will say it's hard to imagine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You probably shouldn't like, you should say as a loyal rugby man, it won't be free, but I will give you an excellent hourly rate. Okay. There you go. My consultation. Aaron can negotiate my fee. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it, it's hard to imagine unless there's a, a major paradigm shift for what they've done to date that this wouldn't just completely, you know, reduce any growth prospect as a TV audience. I mean, the game would have to rely on grassroots in stadium ticket sale popularity growth, which is a thing, but you know, a much harder to scale thing than TV. So it definitely would seem like a very risky move and hard to hard to see how it would be um, advantageous for the league. Yeah. So um, back to the back to the good stuff. You know, I did. I made it back from Perth, and this is where I'm like. I, I'm not supposed to be here. Liam's supposed to be here. And Craig was actually filling in for me. And, you know, we might have an announcement involving Craig, uh, in a, you know, in a week or so, um, you know, like expanding the team, making the bench deeper, you know, sort of, you know, sort of like the Toronto arrows, like basically now having the deepest back row in the, uh, in the competition. So, so hold, hold on Aaron. Let me check this. So we might have an announcement about Craig <laughs> joining the team, but we're not announcing it. We're just telling people that we might announce it. <laughs> hey, Priming, Priming the pumps. Is, is that is that what we're getting here? Okay, so so just so everyone's clear, Craig is not part of EOD. He's just on the air a lot. <laughs> and that was how Liam got at it, you know. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, he interned with us, and there you go. Yeah. So I wouldn't <laughs> say Craig. Craig never hurts anyone. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, as far as uh, you know, the Perth part, uh, I think we all need to figure out how to move there and be able to work um, because it was amazing. Weather was almost. I guess the weather was basically the same as Arizona in the winter, and I guess the summer gets just as hot, except that. There's a beach right there, <laughs> unlike in Arizona. Um, so there you go. And uh, you know, now I'm back. Craig, how was your how was your weekend? That was great. I actually I was in New Orleans with a um, a rugby team bachelor party. Uh, we're there for the weekend. There was the the red dress run. I uh, didn't run, but I did go to the after party. Um, yeah, solid we can all around. It took me at least uh, 48 hours to recover, but I think I'm feeling all right again. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I uh, I stepped up for uh, for our local club here in, in Des Moines and uh, invested in some a pack a ticket package for their season. So my wife and I Wait, are going to be they're, going they're, out. And, a local club is selling tickets. Yeah, so. well, they're selling they're not selling tickets to just the regular thing, but if you want to pay them a few bucks a game for the season, they'll give you a tent and a, like a prime viewing spot and then a cooler with drinks in it for the so, game. Oh yeah. See, Hey, Hey, American rugby. Don't, don't, don't necessarily charge a mission just for regular games, but hospitality. There you go. So I'm excited to go join, uh, 
catch some uh, rugby action out here uh, with the Des Moines Rugby Football Club, DMRFC. So shout out to those guys. Can't wait to see them have another winning season this year. So like that. That's pretty dope. Now that'll be my uh, my summer. So what's left of it anyway? All right. So with all that said, um, Aaron, what we got coming up on the show this week? Um, so we're going to do a segment called EOD down under, uh, that was for, so we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to do a Pacific nations cup roundup, uh, just go over the Tonga, Canada and Fiji Samoa scores, and then sort of do a bit of a deep dive, uh, before we hit some questions on Japan's, uh, victory over the United States. Excellent. And sorry about that. I'm still learning how, where all the new buttons are on this new system. <laughs> Uh, Great. So, yeah, starting things off with EOD down under. Obviously, Aaron was overseas for, was it three days? I mean, it was was a day over there, a day back, and then you were there for like two or three days. That's uh, that's I I was was there for four days. Okay, four days. Except that, you know, I lost a day going there. And, well, I got back and obviously did nothing except get lunch with uh, my paramour. So... Um, she and I had some good American in and out um, to say welcome back to the United States. Oh, what does a man need to do when he gets out of the joint? Bring home right. flowers? No. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I did. I did. I did bring home some jewelry so that for all the if everyone, if you're if your wife, girlfriend, what have you, allows you to. Fuck off, you know, halfway around the world to go watch a rugby game. Make make sure you bring some stuff back, um, you know. But um, so I, I brought her, I got her a bunch of Australian opal stuff. So uh, that'll be cool um, when this thing's over. I'll uh, go take my bundle of boxes. Be like, Here you go. Uh, but, uh, you know, great, great time. I ended up being sort of like a fact-finding mission, kind of inadvertently. I didn't know this it was going to go like this, but I uh, went to a lot of different rugby events. Uh, I would say uh, the Australians definitely know how to, uh, you know, sort of create a test match atmosphere. On Thursday night when I got uh, – after I got there, the uh, Western Australia Rug- Referees Association uh, had a international referee forum. So they, they brought in all their referees, and you had – I forget who the, the female Australian referee that they had. I think it's Amy. Oh, this this hurts me. And then – but they also had the, the Scottish ref, Holly Davidson, who was the center ref. Uh, for the Wallaroos versus the Black Ferns. And then they also had Jerome Garces and Jocko Piper uh, from that were on the uh, the men's referee team for the Wallabies versus the All Blacks, and Jerome Garces was in the center. And here's a cool stat. Uh, Jerome Garces has given out uh, just as many red cards to the All Blacks as they have in total. So there were only two other, (laughs) there were only two other red cards given, uh, or three red cards given before this game, uh, to the all blacks. And with this red card, Jerome Garces has now given ever. So four red cards ever. And with this red card that he gave to Scott Barrett, he now has given the, the all blacks two red cards. So, but you're uh, saying the All Blacks have only gotten four red cards ever? Yeah, which is bullshit. But you know, how could that even be true? It's incredible if that's true. Well, it's partially incredible that the black jersey gets that much deference. But um, if anyone watches the game, you know, some BS. (laughs) So let me just ask a question then: When were red card, yellow cards, and red cards introduced in the game? Red car, yeah, we'll see. Probably pretty early. Let's look this up. I'm trying to yellow card rugby introduction. Ah, yellow card introduced uh, to rug in ah in rugby. <laughs> wow. So cards were officially introduced in the. 90s? Yeah, in the 90s. So 1995. 
so pretty much about when it became professional is when cards became uh because 1888 was when we had like world rugby, which was called the IRFB or whatever it was called. So you had, yeah. So there you go. Cards in 1995 when they became uh, part of the law book. So almost 25 years and they've had how many? Four? Four. I can tell you that the Eagles have had like <laughs> four in at least a season um, previously. So there you go. So what all did you get to see as far as matches go? Oh, man. So what was it? I saw there was a, so there was a high school game. I really didn't pay attention to like went to the Western force game and I'm going to write a lot about that and rapid rugby later on this week. Uh, There's some really cool stuff there. I met Raylene Castle, the CEO of rugby Australia. So that sort of plays into this Western force and rapid rugby uh, article. And then I've also went so and then Twiggy and then Twiggy Forrest had a press conference where he was really indefatigable and he announced that Rapid Rugby would be back for season three and would be a full international competition uh, that spanned 14 match weekends. Uh, so that's going to be kind of cool. Um, it is different. Rapid Rugby is uh, the but when it, I would say the event promotion and how it worked out. It was more like going to a, an American sporting event. Like you had, uh, you know, you had uh, anthem, an anthem singer. You had a pre-match uh, entertainment. You had a band. And then you had a – like, and the band that was there was the Royal Australian Navy uh, band. So that was cool. Um, and then you also – I think it was – his name was Sam Perry – it was some Australian that won the voice last year um, saying at halftime and you had a bunch of like dancers. So it was sort of like a, you know, like an NFL halftime show going down. Um, so like they, they've focused, especially with the force uh, creating a, an event and not just a game. Um, and and what that has led to in rapid rugby for the force specifically has been attendance that has, you know, just the force have more people attending their rapid rugby games than all of the Australian super rugby teams combined. Think about that. That's pretty incredible. Um, and then on, uh, what was it on Saturday? I saw uh, a school's game um, and then a youth and then an under-18 schools game and then an under-18 club game. And I'm going to sort of write about some structural stuff that is kind of weird. Uh, they have some issues that we sort of face here too. Uh, but And then obviously got into and watched the uh, uh, the back half of <laughs> Samoa versus USA on uh, my friend's phone. Um, and then we walked over to uh, Optus AU uh, stadium for the double header of Wallaroos versus the Black Ferns and the um, Wallabies versus the All Blacks. But Corey, Craig, we all were in the press room for the rugby weekend, right? We could count how many people were there, sort of on two hands. Yep. Um, as many people as All Blacks got red cards. <laughs> yeah. Just you about, know? yeah. You know, and, uh, so this thing was slammed. Like the pr- the press box was full. And, and this is where it gets cool. You, you guys know how I talk about, you know, press being taken care of when I've covered other sports and what we get uh, for USA Rugby, um, you know? Uh, so you had two meals. You had lunch, which was really weird. Lunch, which was Krispy Kremes and a Caesar salad. and dinner was one of three things you could have chosen from uh butter chicken and rice and uh a meat lasagna or pizza personal pizza and then they also had an espresso machine in the corner that uh i abused i have the pizza in australia it was it was a personal sort of thing it was kind of weird i went for the 
I, they have regular pizza. They also apparently Mexican food is a very big thing in Perth. Found out. Um, I also did go to the Fremantle Prison, which was a part of the Australian uh, prison system, famous Australian prison system. So that was cool. Um, and uh, put my feet in the Indian Ocean. There you have it. It sounds like a hell of a weekend there, Aaron. I'm glad you got to experience yeah. that. That was pretty awesome. All right, so let's uh, talk about some USA-based stuff. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, but not based on the shores. Offshore, USA uh, faced off against Japan. And this is the final weekend of the PNC. Uh, it didn't go our way. And, you know, I think... We kind of expected uh, it to be a tough match for sure. So uh, U.S. did fall to Japan, 34 to 20. Uh, so, Craig, you want to start us off with a little bit of an analysis, kind of what happened here and what, what your thoughts are? Yeah. Look, I think, as you said, you know, I think most people, if we're being honest, probably weren't expecting to win this one, you know, maybe hoping we'd win. But, you know, even particularly when you saw the lineup came out, it was an unusual lineup. Um I think for the longest time, we used to say Gary Gold is very consistent with his selections. Obviously, this is really the last, you know, organized uh, chance for a tune-up before the World Cup. It seems like in this PNC in particular, he's been much more willing to uh, try different things out, look, take different looks at players. Uh, and that was especially true this weekend against Japan. Um, pretty significant roster changes. A lot of people we haven't been seeing – under the Gary Gold tenure in there. So, you know, I think expectations were, if they were, you know, well-placed going in, were for a good showing, trying to keep it competitive. Did the USA keep it competitive? Eh, I mean, I think while A.J. McGinty was in the game, yes, they kept it competitive. Uh, you know, it was uh, Japan scored. I think they went up 17-0, um, scored pretty quick. Um but then the USA had their turn being in charge for a while on the pitch. Um, they had the momentum. They got it back to 17-10. They were attacking deep into the Japanese zone. It looked like they may tie the game. You know, really they, they had kind of all the momentum in their side at that point. Um, AJ McGinty did go down on the USA first try, which um, he had a line break. He offloaded to Madison Hughes who finished it. Um, he went down, had his ankle taped. Will Hooley did the kicking after that. Um, and then AJ left something like 35 minutes. Um, so after that, you know, it got a little more out of hand. Um, you know, halftime was a few minutes after that. In the second half, uh, the USA never really got that same momentum. So, um, you know, I think it probably wouldn't be fair to say we kept it close for the whole game, but I think – we kept it close when we had our closest semblance to a starting lineup in there. And considering how many of our big players we didn't have, you know, we don't have probably two of our starting front rows, uh, both Joe Tafete and T.T. Lanzatelli not playing this week. Um, you know, locks un unclear, but, you know, Nate Brakely hadn't been playing much in the last few tests. The whole back row has changed. So there were significant changes. Um, all those things considered, I'd say, you know, I'm I'm satisfied with the outing against Japan, uh, particularly the first half. Uh, I think because uh, we sort of talked about this game while it was going on. Uh, I think Will McGee does not get a fair shake here. I think he played decently well, and and when I when I say decently well, he played this game cold. He did not play last week. He like he and Madison Hughes did not get onto the pitch last week against uh, you know Samoa, which is really I had no idea why he started at wing. I mean, yeah, he got the try, but it's, I mean, he had sort of a Hughes-like game in that he does some decent things and he does an awful lot of bad things and, you know, is just not fast enough uh, at sort of like his position. I think he has some skills that make him an okay fullback, but he is not and an attacking wing. He's not a finisher like a true 11 is. You, normally your 11 is a much bigger, traditionally is like a much bigger and a little bit more dynamic kind of player. Maybe not as highly skilled as your, as your open or your right side wing. Cause you have, uh, you know, 
Wayne Scully is pretty skilled, uh, but if we looked at our other wing option uh, for this thing, uh, really is Marcel Brocky. You put him uh, on the left side wing. He has played fullback at really high levels in the game, both for the Eagles and with the Western Force. He can put the ball down with his foot. He's got a lot of skills. Uh, he came in off the bench, I believe, or was he in the centers? I forget, but he did play in this game. Yeah, he was a center. Yeah, so I, you know, we talked about this roster, and I said, why is why is Odd in this in this thing? I, I really had no idea why, because if you're not gonna throw, if you're not gonna put the best thing you have out there to like try to try to get this win, I guess you're just evaluating some guys that you're you know you're you're gonna eliminate them, and you need to make sure you can eliminate them based on the data. Uh, you know, we did, we, but I, I didn't think even, like I said, well, I didn't think Will McGee got a fair shake with some of the analysis being done. I thought he played decently well in the second half, uh, but it wasn't enough, but it wasn't enough across the whole team. Really. Uh, they were, our defensive intensity was a lot lower than it had been the first two games. We just were not, uh, recycling and, and resetting on defense well enough on uh, one of the things I did like from on attack is something that we've noticed over the last three weeks is our box kicking. Our box kicking has become very directional and we're gaining territory or at least putting uh, the, the opposition on the back foot and making them run it out. Whereas often Eagle scrum halves, uh, whether it's Nate Augsburg or Sean Davies or Mike Petrie or even Ruben Das. Uh, instead of being directional with these kicks uh, out of the breakdown, they will go like straight up and like they'll only get five meters and we'll then get, then a try will be scored upon us <laughs> because we won't be able to play transition defense. So all of Sean Davies kicks uh, have over the PNC have been directional and have gained a lot of ground. And we've been able to attack off those, which I thought was, was very good. But uh, there, Nate, um, I, I don't know what you were doing with that kick from the hand. That was ugly. Well, we they, the whole team struggled. I mean, AJ sent one out on the full. I'm pretty sure Sean Davies' boss kicked one out on the, on the full too. Yeah. Our, our tackle kicking had been so good in the PNC, but um, it wasn't this weekend. Uh, no, I, it, I would say our – like on attack uh, – so I want to. I don't want to say it looked like the game against Canada, except and we were playing a much better team. I want to say it looked at, like one of our ARC games where our just intent on attack was jacked up, and our defensive intensity was jacked up. I thought Kit, Japan played decently well. We just gave up the ball way too many times, and considering how I thought how bad we played, played okay. I mean, the fourteen points. I thought we were. I I, I thought we were going to get pumped. I really did. So uh, it is how do we take that? Uh, you know, the boys are going to get, I think, a week off when they get back to the States. Uh, you know, they're just going to go their separate ways, and then they're going to reform for uh, the rest of World Cup camp, and we play Canada on the 7th of September. And there's a lot of lessons to take from the Pacific Nations Cup. Uh, I just don't know what our constraints were uh, for this game because we took more guys than Canada took. Like Canada only took two Fiji. They're 31 for the World Cup. They they might cut one or two, but we took we had 35 guys there. So and that says a lot about our funding, you know, that we because we qualified on time for the World Cup, we got more money and a longer camp and just had more money to to have guys there. But if if I'm looking at this game, it is kind of a downer because I thought our performance was was pretty poor uh, in the scrum. That that's one area I thought we looked okay uh, in the set piece from lineouts, especially on defense. I did not like that we didn't uh, we didn't defend a lot of those lineouts and we didn't contest them because it's I, I don't like we get a jumper in the air. I mean, uh, yeah. it's clearly coordination problems going on. They, you know, like every other defensive lineout, we even uh, it looked like a jumper was looking around 
and there were no lifter. I mean, it seemed yeah. like they just couldn't get on the same page. There and one of the other things is like the the previous uh, the last round of the Pacific Nations Cup was dry, like or was wet rather. It was raining and humid. It might have been humid, but it wasn't like it wasn't raining. This one, it was pretty good conditions. So we just ah uh, yeah. Yeah, but you have a new hooker, you know, all your normal, no Cam Dolan, no Nick Savetta, like your Using, normal. This one's been the craziest thing for me. Uh, I guess we didn't use six. We used five. We used five hookers in the Pacific Nations Cup. Uh, I think I know who's not going to Japan based on some <laughs> of these performances. <laughs> uh, Prop-wise, I think our props overall uh, across the board did pretty well. Um, yeah, I some hookers definitely played themselves into a ticket home over this tournament. Yeah, I agree with that too. What do you think of of uh, I might mispronounce his name, but Fanana Schultz at eight? Uh, you, I mean, when he started playing eight for the Sabercats, I was like, oh. And then I was trying to, and then someone said he was USA eligible, and I was trying to figure that out, and. Someone was like, Grandma, yes, Grandma, yes. He, his grandma is an American, but his dad is also an American, so he's good to go. He's an American citizen. He can play. So, eh, you know, in the other positions, we've had sort of an understudy, but he's a different style of player than Dolan is. But I thought he did okay. He's not going to give you – like those intercept tries, though. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, as you mentioned, we don't really have a clear backup eight either. I mean, we haven't for a long time. I, I just wonder when they pick these Japan tickets if they're going to reserve a spot for that or they're going to keep someone like Malin Aljabori who could play eight but could also be a flanker. I think Malon is more similar to Cam Dolan. Um, significantly because of his athleticism than Fonana Schultz is because of his length, you know? Yeah, so doesn't make, I mean, doesn't it make more sense to have him as – I mean, I don't think he's going to be the starting flanker. So, I, you know, I, I would almost be inclined to keep him as the reserve eight. And- yeah. So, we'll, we'll see. Um, I thought uh, Mike Sosini, uh, Feagai, uh didn't really play that well. So – um, and this, I, you know, but, uh, I think, you know, we've sort of, um, taken our, our wickets and beaten this dead horse, um, pretty hardcore. And, uh, let's cover some, some other parts of the PNC and then get to the questions. And then, uh, you know, we're going to take a break for a couple weeks and pr- then we'll come back to it. We'll try to do a, uh, a World Cup preview, whether it's a super preview with some other people or our own, we're working that out. Uh, but uh, let's just roll through the PNC the rest of the way and get to questions. Yeah, so the two other games over the weekend were uh, Tonga uh, beating Canada 33-23. to And we had actually a few questions about this over in the questions from Bob segment as well. So we'll hit on that further later. And then Fiji beat Samoa 10-3. to um, yeah, so I don't know. Did you guys catch either of these games? Uh, I didn't watch either, but I read up on both. Um, you know, I, I we'll talk about Canada a little bit, I guess, in the questions, but I, that was this one week where I wasn't sure who I wanted to win. I mean, Canada, old rival, Tonga, soon to be World Cup opponent. Um, you know, I probably, I guess, ultimately would have wanted Canada to win this one. Um, Either way, I mean, it was a fairly competitive match between the two sides. Uh, I mean, Tonga wasn't really pushed, but they didn't blow him out either. So I, I think when you look at the PNC as a whole and you kind of try to separate the you know, teams that showed well from the teams that didn't, I think um, you know, Tonga and Canada both had pretty rough PNCs and uh, neither of them helped themselves in this week. Yeah. Uh... Well, for Kingsley Jones, um, I don't know. Uh, they they leave this thing 0-3. Uh, they've had some pretty horrendous performances. Uh, this was probably their best performance, but it was against the weakest team on the schedule uh, for them. Uh, Tonga physically, like no matter what their, their roster is, physically they match up with almost anyone um, in – 
in a lot of ways. They don't give you they don't give you as much skill as an old like an old Samoa would or as Fiji does right now, but they give you this intense physicality that is hard to manipulate. Uh, I guess a, a win for Tonga sort of helps us out when we beat them in the Rugby World Cup because it'll help our rankings uh, quite a bit. Uh, whereas we can't really get any points from Canada right now when we play them again. Uh, for both of them, uh, you know, it, it's really hard. Like Tonga just hasn't all tournament hasn't really played with discipline. So for them to get the win is, is better for them. But for Canada, it just like the ship is sinking right now. Like it is, you know, the Titanic has broken and both pieces are sinking. Um, Fiji uh, over Samoa 10 to 3. I thought, you know, just by a scoreline, it says because it was in good conditions, it wasn't in bad conditions. Uh, it really says a lot about Samoa's defense. I think it says it says more, it gives us some comparative scoring, and we know where we stand uh, against a t- in with a team like Fiji. Uh, we know that Fiji, Samoa, and the U.S. are all really in sort of the same sphere right now. And uh, Japan is a cut above uh, over this group of opponents. But I think it, it, it gives us a good idea of where we are going into the World Cup. And it, it says, and it puts us in good position. Uh, Fiji, given the way they've been playing, uh, I guess before, before the PNC, you would have thought that they might have, uh, you know, challenged for the crown in this tournament. But, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think they were ranked ahead and they'd won the last four in a row. So, uh, you know, it those those gives you sort of pause, especially for Fiji going into the uh, the the World Cup and thinking like what the their opportunities are to gain wins. Whereas with Japan, um, you know, you know they're going to get two wins. It's a question of can they catch Canada. Or not catch Canada, but catch Scotland like we did, but doing the right. World Cup because if they could, I think Scotland they have a chance. Like they've got the skill set, they've got the systems. It's in Tokyo. I mean, yeah. it's a home game for them, so I think I think they definitely have a chance to be beat Scotland. And that you know that, that would probably put them in second place in their pool behind Ireland. They could very well be a quarterfinal team. Moving on. Moving on. All right. So yes, we want to spend a few minutes and uh, bust through. What was a lot of questions actually coming from the Reddit page today. So great job, community. Good way to step up. Uh, now, real quick, I got to give a shout out to Godaman1. Uh, ask us for our 32 Tokyo, and we are going to hold that question uh, for our uh, World Cup preview show. So just know that we got the question, and we are going to talk a lot more about that uh, going into the Rugby World Cup. But for now, his other question was, should Gary Gold get ripped for not fielding his top team against Japan in an effort to win the PNC? I mean, I'm not going to rip the man. Let's see how the results go. I mean, I guess you know, hindsight is 2020, but you know, he knows what's going on in that camp. We don't really. So I thought it was strange. I was surprised by his lineup choices, but I'm going to reserve judgment until I see, um, you know, who he selects for the World Cup and how they do. Knowing who did not go to Fiji based on injuries or whatever reason, like our first choice front row did not go to Fiji. Uh, T. Lemos, Telly, Eric Fry, and Joe, Joe Tefete all got time off. Um, Joe Tefete and TD definitely the, uh, you know, got some time, much needed time off after long premiership seasons. They were, you know, nursing some niggles going into camp. The weird one for me was Eric Fry because, because of injury, he, uh, once he had surgery and was recovered, didn't get selected for van and hadn't played since October. So should he get ripped for not, I think we did. I think most people most people did not think this was a good roster for him to put out, and it was specifically like if you're going to put out a B roster, you need to sit your fly half. And uh, you know we don't know what the what the injury status for Odge is. It looks like it's going to be an ankle, and you know he'll be okay. But 
would you have rather just rested him and had somebody else go in there? Because uh, I think we would have been able to acquit this like this if uh, if Will Hooley had started at 10 or Will McGee had started at 10. We may have lost by another try, but we would not have gotten run out of the park uh, at all based on how we played, and I thought we played pretty shit. So I, I don't think uh, anyone agreed with his selections for this game. Controversials for sure. All right. Uh, Marusharuim. Marius. Marius? Yeah. Uh, asks, did we really want to play uh, only play one more test before Rugby World Cup, or did an opponent fall through and we're making the best of a bad situation? Um, well, we made the best of a bad situation by getting Canada, but Australia did fall through. I actually talked to some media in Australia about this, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, you know, um, you can host that game and make a bunch of money against Samoa, or you could come to the United States and actually, like, the reason why they're not coming here is they wanted, like, set a million dollars. Okay. Um, something to think about, and this is what I, I posted this on Reddit. So the government of Western Australia, they own almost all the sports facilities in Perth. And one of the facilities they own is uh, Optus Stadium, this brand new oval ground, which was it was amazing. <laughs> Like I, it was a great, it was a great place to watch a game. Uh, they paid $5 million to rugby Australia to have the rights to host that game. Um, you're not going to be able to compete with, we, we sort of can't compete, especially now we don't have money. I don't think any promoter out there is willing to give uh, Australia that kind of cash. Cause we know there's like two teams that would sell out a 60,000 seat venue. One of those is the all blacks and the other is England. Anybody else isn't going to sell out, uh, you know, soldier field, uh, in an appropriately sized stadium, Australia will sell out like a 30,000 seat stadium, but that's not what they wanted in the world cup warmups in 2015. And we played at soldier field in September and had, you know, 28,000 people in a 66,000 seat stadium. So we need the game. Uh, I'm glad we're not playing like Harlequins B or Leinster C. <laughs> and, you know, we did play, I think we played like Ulster C one year and got pumped like, <laughs> by like 50 points. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad we're not, we're, we're, we're changing tactics from this history of big payouts to teams to come to America to play. I feel like, you know, a after that rugby weekend, looking back, everyone just kept saying, except for the All Blacks, every time we do this, we lose money. Um, so this time looks like we decided not to lose money. So it's a bummer we're not playing Australia, but I'd rather set that precedent now and change how they view this market that we're not just going to spout out millions of dollars to host money-losing events. That's fair enough. Uh, the second question uh, from him is, can we get a post-PNC injury update? Uh, I got nothing right now. Um, as far as I know, Civetta is on track to be at the World Cup. Um, I don't know anything about uh, what's my deal about Odds. I know that uh, as of this week, uh, Mikey Teo is now available. So. Yeah, McGindy stayed in the game, you know, for probably 10 minutes after his injury. Yeah, was too long. Yeah, 10, yeah, well, he stayed in the game 35 minutes too long. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he didn't come right out, so I, I'm guessing it's not that serious. It's always a little hazardous to guess like that. But, yeah, no, no, I haven't seen anything to lead me to believe that his uh, World Cup status is in jeopardy. Okay. Ruck over CDN, which I assume to mean Canada – asks, is Canada actually this bad, or was it made worse by experimentation? And was that a valuable strategy for them? I mean, when you're in a World Cup year, I think the ideal is you mostly figured out your team coming into that year. And then in your warm-up games, you're just working around the margin, fine-tuning things, ready to go. 
when you've had a bad run-up and you're not sure how, who you're bringing or what your team's going to look like, you're kind of forced to experiment. So, I mean, it, the question's a little um, hard to answer because I think they're, they, I'm sure they played a little worse because they experimented, but they're probably better uh, informed for the World Cup because they experimented. So um, I think, unfortunately, they just had a bad run of form lately, and they're put in a position where they have no choice now but to experiment a little bit, and that's what you're saying. Um, I think they are just bad. Uh, nothing from Kingsley Jones has made me think that they're – they are so far. I, I think long term they will be on, on the right path, especially with him. I think he knows what he's doing, but nothing in the short term uh, without, say, another MLR team to buttress them with professional players or just another 10 to 20 players sprinkled throughout the league is going to be enough short term with them. Long term, I think he, he might be able to get some structures in place where – I don't think Kingsley is going to be able to reap the benefit of any of those structures and they will continue to suffer on the field based on sort of what I'm seeing because they aren't able to keep a staff together. Like Kingsley's the guy and then they'll bring in this guy to do scrum and then they'll bring in this guy to do attack and they just, you know, they can't afford to keep a staff together. Wow. Like there is so many issues wrong with Canada right now. Uh, I, I don't think like some of the experimentation was helpful. I think Peter Nelson at 10. So now, and then the, the, the game against Fiji uh, O'Leary had to play himself off the bench. And I think by get, being given that competition from a higher level player, and Peter Nelson from the the other options they had during repechage, like it really showed that they have you know two attacking five eighths, and that O'Leary has played himself back into the starting ten jersey, and that you have a good fullback in Peter Nelson. But outside of that, I mean, they we had a stronger roster against them when we played them in the ARC, and they had a weaker roster when we played them in the ARC, and they played us much closer, and we pumped them in the first round. So uh, yeah, uh, I don't think they even have a chance against Namibia. Like I know they are targeting Italy and targeting Namibia, but if you look at the way this team is playing, they're going to be on a bad run of form going into the first round of the world cup. What's uh, I'm looking this up right now. When, when do they play Namibia in their schedule? Oh, fucking fine. I thought it was, I think they get their easy games early. Whereas we get our easy games last or our easy game last um, rugby world cup schedule. I tried to make this short, but <laughs> sorry, Aaron dragging yeah. you out. Yeah. Uh, let's go to all right matches. Let's go to Italy versus Namibia's first. And so they get Canada. Italy, they get Italy gets Canada is uh, Canada's first game. Um, that's on 26 September. Wow. So these guys get to hang out in, in, uh, you know, they get a lot of rest, uh, up front. I guess we get a bunch of rest up front too. That same day we play, uh, England. So that's going to freaking suck. Uh, when do they play? October 13th. They play Namibia. So, yeah. So is that their last game? Cause yeah, like- it's, um, yeah, yeah, that's their last game. So I guess it's – but they, they get – it's so it's kind of on short rest after probably getting slaughtered by South Africa. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Nothing to do there. Yeah. I expect to see the fourth-string Canadian team in against that South Africa side. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Milk State Connoisseur. If the Eagles play in the World Cup as they played the PNC – how many games do you think they'll win? One. Uh, with our best roster, I think we could win two. Uh, it just, but it, re- it it requires some breaks. With it requires some breaks. I I don't think we have to play our best to beat Tonga. We just have to be healthy. Uh, based on based on what I've seen from the PNC, we can make mistakes and still beat a team like Tonga. But yeah. we have to be healthy. We had like odds had like our best team has to play them, but we can with our best team we'll we'll be able to beat them by 10, 15 points. We just have to be healthy. Uh and then I don't think we'll beat England. 
no, <laughs> there's no chance, no freaking chance. But depending, because we play, I think we play France or we play France and uh, Argentina. They're both on short rest when they play us, so there is a chance for upset. And it's just been the way both of those pro <laughs> programs have played. Uh, you know, there, there's something there. But yeah. I, 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 we just have to play. But uh, for those games, they have to play bad, and we have to play our best game. Yep, like, totally agreed. Though Argentina is uh, also slotting in the world rankings a bit. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Japan by two spots now. Japan's number nine, Argentina's 11. We're, I think, what are we, 14? So we're, uh, yeah, we're 14. So we're getting we're, no, we're 13. Yeah. Or do we drop? Do we drop? With- today, we're, yeah, we're, uh, the fuck? Yeah, we're 14 ads of this week. Bullshit. Well, hey, our two highest rankings ever uh, in since they've been keeping rankings were achieved, I guess, three times by Gary Gold, uh, two, two thirteenths and a 12th place. But we're now uh, we're now um, we. So with that loss to Japan and Italy won, Italy moved up. Dicks, Ugh. hate them. So there you go. Even though they lost their game. Okay, friend of the show, Flash Gordon, wants oh, to know: Flash, how can the MLR teams use the World Cup to capture the hearts of more stakeholders? So we're starting to see this with uh, a bunch of the teams with the PNC when it comes to doing local stuff, and that is hosting. Uh, watch parties it's gonna be a bit tougher uh, to host say usa watch parties with uh, our time schedule but for all you the and a 3 45 a.m watch party hey man as long as you're serving beer i'll stay up you know uh we'll 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 start early and we'll start at like we'll call it day drinking but start at 9 p.m <laughs> like it. Yeah, so basically host a bunch of watch parties, tie in with your community and like really work that stuff and then try to get as much highlights of your current players as possible. So, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. I, mean, I think I think we're still waiting on exactly what the broadcast's plan is going to be, but it seems like figuring out access to get eyes on the World Cup matches is – the key. So watch parties is a great idea, but whatever they got to do to get people seeing it. And then hopefully we have some success and there's some MLR players that show up well. I want to say, so the final is going to be live on the Peacock. Yeah. Uh, But we're doing USA matches here. Yeah. Well, the USA matches are not going to be live uh, (laughs) at all. Sorry. Uh, I want to, there's, I know, one of the games, one of the early games is on the Peacock, so on NBC. Uh, New Zealand, South Africa is yeah, going to be live. Yeah. It's going to be live. So that's going to be apparently. Um, that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, uh, host watch parties and not just like one, but multiple locations and, and stuff, I, th- I think is what you do. And then. Um, try to like do content with the, your players that are in the world cup. So. All right. Last question of the night, guys, when are we going to stop overhyping the Eagles just because they beat Canada? And this is from Pete Von Pete. A lot of Canada resentment in the uh, questions today after the PNC. Um, I don't know. I'm, you know, Obviously, I'm from the U.S., uh, trying not to overhype them as, as much as possible. At the same time, you know, if we're not going to get excited about our team in a World Cup year, when do you get excited? I, mean, I think they're the 14th-ranked team. I think that's about right going into the World Cup. I expect them to play about that number, but I hope they play up a little bit and, uh, you know, entertain us all. Uh, well, Pete, uh, I, I know you're a cynic like me. Um, but I think you're being a bit too cynical here. I think we used to get pumped by Canada, um, and we used to take it in the jimmies quite often. So the fact that we haven't lost to them in like five years is amazing, and we should 
get hype every time we can beat them by 30 because uh, with uh, with MLR coming, they're going to have better quality training environments. So as long as we continue beating them, it's important. Uh, and why 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 was it overhyped? We also beat Samoa. And you may have said um, as part of this question that we got lucky against uh, to beat Samoa in in November. But we beat Samoa by three points twice. And guess what? Samoa also didn't win, and it wasn't because of luck. It's because we played and put ourselves in position to win. Uh, because guess what? We had to score to win. We didn't defend. And didn't have our front row. It's, you know, still missing a lot of first-choice players, even in that like, match. It's like you're telling me that we got lucky when we had like our second-choice scrum half who had never started a game, and he that was and Samoa was his first start in November. And that, like, what? And then, you know, you put him out there against Samoa again, and he plays pretty well. And so you can't tell me that we got lucky in these games when we didn't have our best roster and they had better rosters in theory when it came to European professionalism. So, yeah, um, I I think we had a good PNC campaign. It wasn't great. I think we if we had our first-choice front row and turned out a fully first-choice team – we probably would have had a chance to beat Canada or not Canada, but Japan. And then we could say, Hey, three and oh, baby. Woohoo. Got some, got some, uh, got some hardware to take home. But I, I think it was a successful campaign. That's it. Fair enough. All right. That does it for us tonight. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. Uh, any final thoughts on our way out, fellas? Um, see y'all in a couple of weeks. It's going to take me like a week to, get back to normal because my body is wrecked um but oh for all the talk about how australians like drink a lot uh they have like i I forget what the what someone told me what the laws are but they have closeout laws they're early the bars in perth were closed at midnight how are you supposed to celebrate this huge victory against the all blacks or if you lost, how are you supposed to, you know, drink away your sorrows if the bar is closed at midnight? What kind of BS is that? Hey, and also, guess what? The longer the bar is open, the more tax revenue you guys get. So come on now. That's what I got to say about there. There you have it. Final goal to me, work on the line out. The USA needs to do better in the line out in the World Cup. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I guess the only thing I got to say is uh, it's fair season here in Iowa. I don't know if anybody's seen that on the news, but uh, apparently every freaking candidate in the world is here right now. So calling out, uh, calling out bingo. Yeah. uh, Standing on a box and shouting at people apparently and flipping uh, pork tops. So uh, I'm heading down to the melee tomorrow and, uh, Jump in and enjoy some fair time. So I guess that's my uh, my plan going forward. Ask all the candidates who's heard of Earful of Dirt. See what they say. Yeah, I'll check with them. I'll, excuse me, sir. Uh, Corey Munson, Earful of Dirt. <laughs> Have you heard of me? <laughs> oh, uh, for all our Houstonites or Houstonians, here's something cool. Uh, Paul Healy will be on Great Day Houston tomorrow morning. Um, so I like that we're getting these mainstream local morning shows. You got to hit the breakfast circuit. I got to, got to hit the sports radio. You got to do everything. So I'm, I like to see that they are getting tied in with all the morning shows in Houston to get in front of the, uh, the folks that watch morning shows, I guess. All right. Okay, so a few notes on our way out. Please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll be live on YouTube, hopefully, and Twitter each Monday night. No, not next week. Two weeks. Two weeks from now. Is it three weeks? Uh, Three weeks. We'll be live at some point in the future. 
Yeah. Uh, check our Twitter feed. We'll Three keep weeks. you guys updated. Three weeks. The second. And uh, be sure to check us out on your favorite plat uh, podcast platform every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please become a subscriber on YouTube or iTunes. Uh, it helps other folks find us. So be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or via email at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. That's it for us. Catch you next time. And, oh, before you go, get out there and uh, watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.